Federal News Network's Open Season Hotline, presented by GEHA. Today's question, how can I determine if my current FEHB plan, or the one I'm considering, delivers as advertised? Check out information from a group of independent, private, and not-for-profit organizations that accredit or deny accreditation to plans based on their ability to meet national standards. These organizations include the Accreditation Association for Ambulatory Health Care, the National Committee for Quality Assurance, and the Utilization Review Accreditation Commission. You might be able to find your plan's accreditation status in its brochure. Check out our open season hotline presented by GEHA. Head over to federalnewsnetwork.com and search open season hotline. Send us your questions and we'll read the answers daily at six minutes past the hour here on the Federal Drive. The Federal Energy Management Program in the Energy Department has thrived using a contracting approach most other agencies are too scared to even try. FEMP uses energy savings performance contracts to help the Defense Department and others save money and use less energy through this private financing model. Daniel Simmons is the Assistant Secretary for the Office of Efficiency and Renewable Energy. Lucian Niemeyer is the Acting Assistant Secretary of the Navy for Energy, Installations, and Environment. They tell executive editor Jason Miller about how their partnership is leading to a more efficient Navy. One of the things that, that the Federal Energy Management Program does is it helps federal agencies to understand how best to structure these contracts because they're not always easy to, to structure. While the majority have been good, there have been some, you know, a problem from time to time. And so what, what the Federal Energy Management Program does is it, it it is put together tools to help federal agencies structure these contracts in a way that makes the most sense for the federal taxpayer. So that the federal taxpayer is, uh, you know, as, as protected as possible so that it, it, it helps reduce costs for the federal government, but it also helps the, the federal agencies meet their, their goals and, and, and achieve their mission. And one of the ways that we do this is that uh, we do have a little bit of funding. It's not a lot of funding, but it's a little bit of funding to help federal agencies kind of like put them over the threshold to make some of these performance contracts uh, go. And uh, there's been um, billions of dollars in, in energy savings performance contracts in the past few years. So that's, th that is an oppressive amount of, of energy savings overall. Let me bring in the Navy now, uh, Assistant Secretary Niemeyer. The Navy Department is a big user of these contracts. I went and looked into a little bit of research and found several uh, Navy bases that use these contracts or trying to take advantage of them. Talk about how these contracts, but other efforts are really building on installation, resiliency, efficiency. Walk me down that path a little bit. Something that Dan brought up, which is really important, that is how we use taxpayer dollars most prudently and effectively. And uh, really, that's how we're looking at our energy program. We have a responsibility for national security, and I really want to thank Dan for his collaboration on, on really trying to work with us on meeting our national security needs. One of the things we know which is absolutely important is that um, as we look to the future, and this is borne out by the National Defense Strategy released in 2018, that we're going to need more power, more electricity in the future. If you look at emerging technologies, everything from robotics to autonomous vehicles to directed energy programs, we are looking, going to need more electricity at, at our installations and on the battlefield. Therefore, the work that Dan and his team does to work with us on efficiency initiatives means that we have more power, more electricity through those weapon systems. And that's kind of how we're looking at it. We have, a, we have much more of a national security focus. We do use ESPCs very, very uh, well, I think. We just uh, awarded the largest one in the federal government not too long ago to provide us a comprehensive series of energy resilient solutions uh, for our Navy base uh, down south on, at, uh, at Naval Base Guantanamo Bay. So that's just one example where we, we take advantage and we really partner up with DOE 
on those initiatives that will truly get us uh, to NAS security prerogatives, which is more efficiency for the future, as well as uh, being able to ensure we've got reliable, resilient, and effective power for us right now. And that really is the key for us is resilience. Um, You've seen what's happened recently with some of our grid issues around the country. We are really laser-focused on ensuring resiliency you know, to power those our, our platforms, our bases that we need for the future. When you use the word resiliency, we all think of it as if something goes down, can the weapon system, can the base, can the whatever, the computer system stay up? But you also have to think about resiliency when it comes to other things besides you know, when something goes down. I mean, you have resiliency around people. You have resiliency around this idea of natural and man-made disasters. Walk me through a little bit about how you guys are kind of measuring resiliency and, and how does the energy play such a big role in that? I actually had the, the privilege of testifying before the House Armed Services Committee on installation resilience. And I would love if you would take a look at my opening statement for that hearing because I talk a lot about resilience across the board, not just in energy, but in those systems that support energy programs, such as grid grid resiliency, the resiliency of our control systems, um, and our networks that actually support our electrical infrastructure around the country. There's a lot of information that I that I prepared for the committee that goes to Department of Navy priorities on how we look at resilience. So it's not just being able to continue our critical missions when the power goes down, but it's ensuring that the power doesn't go down. And then when it does go down, we can we can still use microgrids and other technologies that have been we've been working with with FEMP on being able to direct that limited backup power to those most critical facilities on installation. So we've got about a five-prong approach, and oh my gosh, we're we're working a whole series of initiatives on ultimately. How do we get power to the most critical facilities, regardless of what's going on with the commercial grid? And from the Department of Energy perspective, this is a, a very high priority for our, our Office of Electricity, as well as our, um, our, our Office of, of Cybersecurity and Emergency Response, that it is critical that we have, from the Department of Energy's perspective, reliable energy to our defense critical infrastructure. Obviously, military bases are are, are a part of that, and uh, that means thinking very, very critically and very holistically about our, our entire energy system. And, you know, the, the, the added benefit of thinking about the resiliency of, of making sure that we have it for defense critical infrastructure is that that means that the, the entire system as a whole is going to, to hopefully be more resilient. At least that is, that is our goal, to make sure that we have the power that we need uh, when we need it uh, and where we need it. And, in fact, I was going to ask that follow-up to uh, Assistant Secretary Simmons as well, because other agencies, not just the Defense Department or the Navy in this case, have these similar challenges. So can you walk me through some of the things you guys are doing to, to address the resiliency challenge? We take resiliency uh, very, very seriously at the Department of Energy, and we look at ways to help other federal agencies increase their their resiliency. With the Department of Energy, in, in, in some ways that – well, it's simple to talk about resiliency for these, uh, you know, for military bases. However, it's much more uh, difficult to actually execute on that. But it is particularly at, at other agencies also looking at using microgrids, using on-site generation, whether that is from wind or, or, or solar, as well as from fossil fuel with, with oil and natural gas, to make sure that the facilities that need to have that electricity are going to have it uh, when, yeah. when they do. So it is... It is looking at 
renewables and fossil fuel assets, as well as uh, energy storage, um, everything that we can do to to increase the uh, the resiliency of these of uh, of these uh, of this federal infrastructure. Hey Dan, can I give you my perspective to some of the great sure. work I think you sure. do? Uh, I mean, first of all, the, one of the most important things, and you mentioned it early on, Jason, was the energy exchange. You know, here we bring in every federal agency in, in the government, and we bring them together for three days, and we're able to, sh- uh, under under FEMS leadership, create some uh, tracks here that allows us to partner up with DHS, allows us to partner up with with uh, with other agencies and the VA, and share lessons learned on where we're ultimately applying those resiliency challenges. As you know, the VA has unique challenges. You know. If the if the power goes out or if they have concerns with their power supply, and that's a critical those are critical assets in the VA. Um, so they really want to partner up with us to see what we're doing to get that resilient power efficiently. And FEMP just does an amazing job of allowing us to come together, share lessons, um, and you know share good ideas, and actually in some cases even work together on collaborative initiatives. So I, I can't say enough about the, the work that FEMP does on taking those lessons learned. We learn a lot from some of the innovations and some of the other felonies that we can apply to the Department of Defense, and that's all under FEMP's leadership. From the perspective of the Department of Energy, um, the, the Federal Energy Management Program leads this uh, an, annual, an annual energy exchange conference. This most recent one we had uh, a, a uh, recently had 2,800 people that attended. You know, it, it offered 116 unique training sessions, 13 tracks, and 130,000 training hours. And so it, it's great to hear from from Lucian's perspective, from the from the uh, Department of the Navy's perspective, that this is is valuable because, like, that is our goal. Our goal is to bring together people from all across the federal government to improve the energy efficiency, to improve the resiliency, uh, so that you know we are so that in the at, at the end that we as the federal government are doing a better job overall of, of accomplishing our mission uh, for the American people. You mentioned the, the conference, the training session that happened back in August. What, what's the biggest takeaway from your perspective, uh, Assistant Secretary Simmons? What, what should people know going forward about FEMP as you look into 2020 and beyond? For people in the federal government, uh, for anyone in the federal government that, that deals with energy, you know, it's, it's important to know that one, that the FEMP exists. It is a, it is a smaller office, so... Uh, but it is uh, the the office has a lot of uh, a lot of tools, a lot of training to help the entire federal government do a better job in terms of energy efficiency. And then, second, from outside the federal government, uh, it's it's important to understand uh, FEMP to so that people can take the you know take the tools that we have around things such as energy savings, performance, contracting, and adapt them to to their uses because. There is a lot of tools and information that we have put together, um, and it's it's our job as the federal government to share them as as widely as possible mm-hmm. to uh, you know to to increase value overall. Yep, and from my perspective, moving forward, and this is a, a Secretary Neymar, one of the things that really makes it uh, beneficial for us is FEMP also collaborates with us. So as we're looking for uh, moving forward in 2020, they're reaching out to federal agencies to say, okay, what do you see as emerging trends? What are some of the things that we're going to need to incorporate in our tracks? Um, and I think that collaborative process is is, is really fantastic because it allows us to work together on, okay, here's what we think we need to highlight for maybe distinct and unique tracks um, that, for which we think will benefit to all federal agencies. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a continual, ongoing collaboration um, that um, builds up, and obviously, at the epitome when we actually see the exchange each year in August. Assistant Secretary Niemeyer, from your perspective, what are your priorities looking into 2020 for, for Navy bases when it comes to installations and, and getting to that efficiency and resiliency side? 
how, how much time do you have? I mean, uh, we've identified, and, and this really goes back to what I mentioned earlier with the national defense strategy, where, where you know, we realize that we are in contested domains, that what we see happening around the world um, with energy markets, with energy grids, and how adversaries can very easily manipulate those, we, we realize we have a a huge challenge in front of us in in working with the Department of Energy to ensure that regardless of any actions that are taken by anybody, we have a resilient grid and we can still project uh, military power and protect our national security interests. Um, that really is my biggest challenge. The more we do today, the more of a deterrence we can put in place that makes it less likely that anybody will ever want to attack our grid uh, because of the fact it's resilient. Um, and we have a way of responding very quickly uh, without necessarily having any impact to us. So that's my immediate challenge moving forward to 2020, um, is to use every available energy fuel source and build that resilience as quickly as possible so we never actually have to have it tested. One of the focuses from the Navy over the last few years has been also on not just shore, but also to sea. I'm not sure, does that fall under your area? Do you guys do focus on uh, ensuring that the ships and the cruisers and the like have renewable fuel, fuel sources and use different types of fuel energy, or is that falling to somebody else? Yeah, no, I mean, you, you, there's a couple of terms you use there, and I just want to make sure, you know, I can give you an absolutely accurate answer. So you're, you're referring to what we call operational energy versus installation energy. Correct, so, correct. for instance, hybrid drives on destroyers, that's actually under another directorate within the Department of the Navy looking at new technologies that will allow us um, to be able to conserve fuel on the open seas. Um, you mentioned renewables. That's kind of my area, although I have to tell you that we are, we are really agnostic to the fuel source. Yes, we understand there's a value um, to being able to draw power from renewable sources, but it's, it's circumstantial. I mean, where it makes sense, where it's economical, where it's effective, and we're going to pursue that. But we're really looking for what gives us the best advantage right now in either a tactical or operational environment. And we are looking at how does fuel play in it. As you know, uh, fuel has always been a concern you know, in contingencies. The fuel supplies, um, the convoys, the access to fuel, yes, that continues to be a, a concern shared both by my directorate and by other directors from the Department of Navy. And, and from the DOE's perspective, we are uh, we are very grateful that for the collaboration that we get from the Department of Defense uh, all across the Department of Defense. Obviously, uh, very much so from the from from the Navy that. Our job from the, the Federal Energy Management Program's job is to, to help other federal agencies. So it is critical that we're working with, uh, with DOD as the, you know, the, the largest consumer of energy and also just because they have such a critical need for reliable energy. Also, throughout the, uh, throughout the Department of, of Energy, such as with the Office of, of Electricity, you know, we, we work very closely with the, with the Department of Defense to make sure that we have reliable power. This is something that really matters to the Department of Energy, um, that the, the reliability of the electricity system is critical for the reasons that, that Lucian mentioned. Uh, when people do not have power, whether it is on a military base or if it's at your home, everyone suffers. So it is it is critical that we do a a good job at the at the department to, you know, as, as the grid changes over time, that we are building more resiliency into the grid rather than rather than less to um, you know to, to lead to a more resilient, robust uh, energy future. Daniel Simmons is the Assistant Secretary for the Office of Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy at the Energy Department. And Lucian Niemeyer is the Acting Assistant Secretary of the Navy for Energy Installations and Environment, speaking with Federal News Network's Jason Miller. Check out Jason's story at federalnewsnetwork.com. This episode is brought to you by Zell. 
Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. A financial plan isn't just about money. It's about what matters most to you, like protecting your family, supporting your community, and building a legacy for future generations. At Northwestern Mutual, we start with a conversation about the life you want to live now and years from now. Whether you're paying down debt, saving for college, or planning for retirement, we have an eye on your bigger picture. Get access to our financial expertise at harlem.nm.com. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, headquartered in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.